Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello there everyone, welcome back to another edition of East Meets West. It's me, Grant McRobbie, back in the hosting chair, joined by the illustrious, soon-to-be quizmaster, Scott McLeod. Thank you. I don't think my name has ever been said in the same sentence as the word illustrious, but I'll definitely take it on this occasion, Grant. I'm happy to be back to talk about uh, New Japan. Uh, I should warn the people listening to Strat themselves, and you probably already see when downloading this episode, uh, how long it already is. So, you know, strap it because it feels like forever since we've, uh, since you and I have talked about New Japan, Grant, and I think it shows how much can happen, like, just between episodes. Yep, and our, uh, after our last episode, our usual curse that always seems to happen to us struck. Things changed. We had to put disclaimers on the episode because it was before they cancelled the bloody Tokyo Dome. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we now can talk about the fact that they've rescheduled it, but it was annoying. Yeah, like we thought, like, well, what's going to happen? I think we did speculate the possibility of Okada versus Shingo. So we talked about it as a possibility, but we didn't get official confirmation yet until like a day or so later. And yeah, we had to say, oh, this was recorded before they announced what was happening at Dominion because. At the time we were recording, they were still doing Road to Grand Slam, but without an official Grand Slam confirmed for the Road to to come to culminate at. It was it was the most surreal Road to because the Road to was to nowhere. <laughs> I know, Max and Max and Paddy's Road to nowhere. That's what this was. <laughs> exactly. That was before we go into the the big results. We'll start at Dominion. Before that, did the usual plugs. Get us on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, everywhere that you get your podcasts. Get everyone listening to it. Parents, grandparents, turn them into the big marks that we are. <laughs> get get us on there at Suplex Retweet on Instagram. Get us on Facebook, Twitter. You know, we're pretty much... The only thing we're short of doing is having planes flying with banners in the sky to plug us. But I'm sure we'll get there when Wilson actually finally stops being tight. Says Ryan, by the way. <laughs> It won't, it won't hand over the company credit card. I've tried on multiple occasions. I think he learned after David Campbell ran about with it, calling himself the darkness and ran off a budget. <laughs> Campbell's going to hate me for that. He said to stop bringing up the darkness, but I never will. <laughs> I know. If you just want to just accept that it was a thing, because you know, as soon as people start laughing along with you, that's when the joke stops being funny. <laughs> exactly. And let's, let's get into the... The big, the big events that happened after we had kind of finished it last time. We we got our road to Grand Slam, which really was the road to the road to Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> it was the prequel to the prequel. And that's that's what it kind of felt like by the time it came round. But we did get Dominion. I was absolutely buzzing. 
a nice compact card by all means for for New Japan and such a big show. But let's let's face it. Let's let's first two matches were kind of our throwaways. I, I want to focus. I want to talk about our three big matches. And even yeah. though I didn't I didn't throw it properly in the notes, I think the first one, even though it was the second to last, the first one to talk about should be Ibushi and Cobb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting that that was put in between the two uh, title matches, but I think uh, I remember back when we did I think it was in one of the first big um, like the January 30th New Beginnings show, I can't remember exactly where it was, but the one where uh, Tanashi won the Never title. Like, I like shows like that and with Dominion, like, which is part of the benefit of the pandemic uh, era of New Japan where shows are shorter, but you know the matches for the most part are more memorable. But even the the tag team matches uh, and the war card actually helps set up future title matches that we would see on the Road 2 shows that we'll talk about later. And also the the Road to Dominion tour wasn't as long as some Road 2 shows can, uh, some Road 2 tours can end up being. So the two ones, only, I think only televised two of the Road 2 shows uh, because they were both featured big title matches. Yeah, it was it was quite quite an interesting way they they done it because it was like some of these road twos always seem like they are actually the longest thing on the planet. But mm-hmm. it was nice and compact. It was a breath of fresh air that I wasn't having to keep myself focused for for like twenty shows between pay per views. Yeah, and and then also you had the, the champions that came out of those shows are then getting set up new feuds to start Dominion. So it served a purpose in a way, but I agree, but it's not really much. Like detail to talk about in, but uh, Bushy v Cobb, you know I like uh, when they get uh, like a big singles match in near the top of the card. Like even when there's nothing, oh, it's just two guys who really hate each other, and it was as physical as you expected it to be. Maybe not as good as the the time they faced off in the G1, but you know they did their best to make Cobb look dominant even in defeat, which I think the Empire needs right now, given that you know they're wandering about without a leader at the minute. Yeah, it was when you compare the match length to what came before it in the junior title match and what came after it in the world heavyweight match, it was the shortest of the three, but it didn't take away from it. The the animosity was there, and Cobb is really, to me, he's been one of the MVPs for 2021 for New Japan. He has looked fantastic this year. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, because also the Empire were so strong in like tag team matches, and all the time it was actually Cobb. Getting the one he has, one of the better win records in New Japan so far this year. But seemingly the matches that he doesn't win that we remember more for, because like, he's got this match and then that match he lost to Shingo back at uh, WrestleMania for the Never title. So it shows, like once again, that you can book somebody to have a strong performance even when they lose. And I think Ibushi, like booking-wise, needed this more coming off the loss of the, the world title in his first defence. And this is basically giving that momentum again to uh, to finally pr- to jump back right into the right back into the world heavyweight title scene. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, Ibushi's booking has been iffy at best yeah. since he got the the big win back at Kingdom, and it's just they've done them dirty, in my opinion. <laughs> they really have. I, I think I think his bad luck really started because he was having good matches with Sonata and, and Death Brad. I think the bad luck started when he he handed in the two belts for the one. Because uh, that belt seemingly is cursed because he got it and quickly lost it. Osprey got it and then injured his neck in his first defence. I worry what's going to happen to Shingo. Is Shingo even going to make it to the dome? 
Ah, oh, no, it gives me it gives me the fear thinking about it. It's like, is this belt actually cursed? Because nothing good has came out of it so far, other than the fact that it does look absolutely fantastic. Uh-huh. And I think when we talk about who now holds it, I think it was Chris Charlton who said, like, the look of the belt looks like it was actually made for him. Like, like he actually looks better with the belt than Ibushi and Osprey did. And I think I would definitely agree with that. But... Abushi's had a weird run, but it was good that he managed to get this one over Cobb because he's kind of been wandering around in tag matches since losing it. But he got his revenge on Cobb, you know, you know, basically threw salt in the winds after he lost the title by just picking him up and giving him a, a tour of the islands. Uh, but he managed to get that behind him, and I think it shows that Cobb, like, in his own way, way can be booked as a major like singles guy, even potentially going after the, the, the top singles titles, uh, depending on how New Japan want to, what they have planned for him or group in the next maybe year or so. Yeah, I, I do like the idea of Cobb challenging for gold, whether it's the World Heavyweight title or I actually love the idea of him going for Jay White and that, that nice, lovely openweight title that Jay's got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know some people are thrown off by the heel he- versus heel dynamic, but, you know, like a heel should not like have less desire to go for top belt just because another... You know, just because you're a bastard doesn't mean you shouldn't want to get a belt off another bastard, you know? That's basically uh, you, it. You want to be the biggest bastard you can be by going for the bastard's belt. <laughs> uh, I don't want to see Gero try and get involved when Buddy Agrio can and Aria are lingering about the outside. <laughs> I know that's that's a good, that's a fantastic idea. It's like I just I can imagine Gero getting absolutely murdered by Okan, and it's actually a beautiful thought in my head. <laughs> so that was a really good match, but uh, so yeah, I wouldn't wait to see what happened there because I think the Talked about the potential of uh, Hanari and uh, Okan going after the tie belts, but you know, maybe this version of the Empire could be uh, future challenges for the never six-man belts. You know, because I think uh, the current champions are really running out of opponents for them. Yeah, that's uh, they're definitely getting getting down that route. And before we before we start spoiling things that came after all this, mm. uh, I think we can I think we can safely say that was a fantastic match that. It gave a nice breath of fresh air between the two big title matches. Mm-hmm. The first of those title matches. Wow. Despy. <laughs> Despy at it again against you. I love this match. Damn, Despy. Back at it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, uh, it was a nice palette cleanser with a Bushy V Cobb between these two title matches. And, you know, I knew what to expect, kind of, I, thought, I think, from the structure of the match that, uh, given the, the stretch muffler is one of Desperado's key moves that he was going to target the knee of show who's coming back from a knee injury. And, you know, I wasn't disappointed when he started doing it. You know, you see him trying to use a chair on the outside and going after the knee, and you knew that was going to be the plan. So you you were going and thinking, how is show going to battle back from it? And, I mean, I, I didn't have any doubts that Desperado wasn't going to come out with the title. But I just still like to be kind of gripped into the story they were telling in the match and, you know, show getting his, like, sorry, Yule getting his proper, like, single showcase in the match. But, no, I think, I think, but I think yeah, the finish almost came out of nowhere. Even though it was a long match, it was like twenty-three minutes. I remember when he, when the, there was a bit, it was quite silent in the arena when he caught him with a right hand, which set up for the pinche loco. But so he could hear that properly echo, and I forgot that they uses the place to use the punch sometimes. So when he punched him, and I thought like, oh shit, that's it, this is over. And I was almost surprised that it was over, seemingly quite quick, even though it was coming towards the end of a 23-minute match. But it just goes to show you how impactful, like, 
the finish was to show just how dominant Desperado can be as a champion. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Yo's came out of this looking absolutely fantastic. He came back after a whole year out and he looks like he's never missed a step and he's up against an informed Desperado. And I mean, the right hand, two big guys like to use their right hands. Desperado's one looks beautiful and the other one will always belong to Shingo. That straight right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, it was, this is a shame we didn't get more of a showcase of the two right hands when they two had the, their match last year uh, for the Never title. But you know about MVPs of the year, I think the Desperado is well on his way to being kind of known as the, the MVP of the year. And, you know, it was very interesting how they did like the post-match because, you know, it would be very easy for Desperado to get kind of overshadowed in that uh in that, you know, post-match, but, you know, it was a good way to set up a new challenger for him, and, you know, well, I was going to say show didn't really lose anything, because he was still one half of the tag chance, but uh, we'll get on to how that worked out later on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do have to admit, they like the post-match, but I loved the ELP, I thought it was going to be ELP going for the belt, and Ishimori just coming in and being like, no, 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 <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, because I think it makes sense for both of them to want the belt, because Ishimori, I don't think, got a proper rematch after losing to Hiromu back at the Dome. But Desperado wanted to say Desperado will, but Fantasma was scheduled to get a match with Hiromu before Hiromu got injured. So they both feel like they've got a claim. And I'm wondering uh, where that will go, how that will play in to uh, the Thai team going forward. Is this the beginning, the seeds being planted for some dissension between as a desperate as keeps confusing them because there's too many people who there's two guys with the word L at the start of their name the EL I'm just going to call it ELP so I don't get them confused because you know ELP described the two of them as you know Bullet Club's cutest tag team but I'm wondering if this is maybe teasing some uh, dissension between that cute tag team yeah I mean definitely because the look on ELP's face when Ishimori kind of silenced them kind of looked as if to say I beg your fucking pardon <laughs> And like Yo is still lying on the ground, still kind of out of it after the the punch in the the pinche loco, and your show's kind of over him. And you got uh, like vultures for the ELP and Ishimori coming in, and then Ishimori's making the challenge to Disbrow, and Disbrow's kind of sitting in the corner, like, "Are you fucking serious? Like, I just wrestled the whole match, and you're trying to get in my face." Just look, and it was the fact that it was big match Desperado with the awesome black and gold mask, which still oh, gives me that. chills every time. Oh. I love it when he when he brings up the black and the gold mask. You know, you know. I think in terms of variations of masks, you know, Bushy's got him beat. You know, because Bushy always comes out with something cool. Even if it's just like a, a random six man on a road two show, but the two like alternate designs that Desperado goes through are really solid, especially this black and gold one. Yeah, I mean, it's possibly one of my favorite masks in all of wrestling to this day. Desperado's one because it's simp- it's got a lot of simplicity in the design. But it's yeah. very, it feels very unique. Mm. And let's hope that uh, this one stays intact because that's twice he's worn his, his original like, black and white one and it's got torn apart. I know, people just seem to get really incensed that black and white one and it just, it usually ends up badly for them. Mm-hmm. Well, apart from Hiromu, he got bloody luckier with the fact that he beat him despite the fact that he took the full mask off. <laughs> I know, but at least the second time he managed to walk out with the title. And I think we, we can say we've got confirmation that when this Ishimori is going to get the next title show and it's going to happen as part of the Summer Struggle Tour on the 10th of July. And 
I was looking up the the schedule just then, and uh, I think it's in Sapporo. Like they're doing some like regular rotary shows, and then they've got some like main road uh, summer struggle shows where there's going to be like title matches. And uh, New Japan's now been there's recent shows have been sponsored by King Kong v Godzilla because that's coming out in uh, in Japan now, and the the summer struggle like shows support just are, t- are literally titled on New Japan's website. Got. Godzilla vs. King Kong presents New Japan Summer Struggle in Sapporo. Yeah, that that's actually really that that popped me when I saw that. And I, what I didn't realise until someone pointed out to me on Twitter, there's actually a video of um, Liger out of retirement wrestling with Godzilla. <laughs> yes, the one foe he had yet to beat, he had to come out of retirement for. He had to come out of retirement for Godzilla, the king of the monsters. <laughs> Unreal. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's uh, there was the fool I wanted to see because obviously he's fought, you know, Ghidorah, but all sorts of kaiju, of kaiju's, but he got King Kong, but that's the film we want to see next, you know, King Godzilla versus Jushin Thunder Liger. You'd have thought Godzilla learned his lesson after that match you had with Suzuki at one point as well, because I know that happened years ago. <laughs> there was a tag match you didn't know you wanted Godzilla and King Kong versus Suzuki and Liger. I'd still go with Suzuki's team. Book it for the dome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talk about a match tearing the roof off the place. Godzilla and King Kong would literally tear the roof off the place. And even then, Suzuki would probably still chop the living shit out of them. <laughs> like, good, good luck with that one, lads. I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll choose death over a fight with Suzuki. It's just the same result. <laughs> yeah. I think some people may be thinking, what the hell are these guys on about? I mean, it's this, if you're just a first time listening to ESPN, this is not unusual. We were talking about British references that Zack Sabre Jr. could make finishing moves out of. Ah, good old Barry from EastEnders. I still love the fact that came out of nowhere. I'm still waiting for the next one to appear. <laughs> I, I think oh. we're getting a little sidetracked, <laughs> but this was a good match, and I'm looking forward to Desperado versus... Um, Desperado versus... Shimori. We we did talk about it before we, we started recording that we were, we were surprised a little bit that it was happening on a summer struggle tour and not at the rescheduled Grand Slam show at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, still bamboozles me that, but I'm sure they will have a good reason for it. Um, I definitely think Ishimori, because to me Ishimori is an underrated junior. He is a powerhouse and he is faster than a chihuahua on a line of cocaine. You sound like you've you've tested this hypothesis in the past. I don't want to get into what you do in your spare time. I don't but, think Peter would be happy with me if I confirmed it. <laughs> <laughs> deny everything. Deny everything. Yeah, but I do agree with you. Like I've talked about it on this show. I think I talked about it on the uh, best Super Juniors uh, feature show we did that Ishimori did kind of get like overshadowed and how kind of maybe in hindsight, given that Romo got injured, maybe Romo should have lost Ishimori in the twenty eighteen Super Juniors final and. We talked about it when we covered the the 2020 best of juniors that despite going as a champion, Ishimori wasn't the focal, focal point. So it's nice to see him getting these like, kind of showcases. Uh, I'm wondering, do you think maybe there's a chance uh, that I don't know what his what his timeline is, but you think they're hoping that by the dome that Hiromu will be cleared, and do you think maybe they're wanting to do a Hiromu uh, Desperado rematch at the Tokyo Dome? See, I'm thinking that's possible because Hiromu did appear at some of the shows recently and they kind of confirmed that he's he's looking healthy, he's he's back on track. So they've never confirmed the exact timeline. I think they said something like about possibly six months when it happened. 
mm. knowing knowing it, it's 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 not out, outside the the realm of impossible as far as I'm aware for the time scale because the dome is taking place right at the end of July. So at this point today, I think we're still roughly about five weeks away for that. Mm. If so. it happens, I would I would not be complaining. But to me, if it doesn't happen there, um, whenever they get best of Super Juniors on the go, mm-hmm. set it in line somewhere around there. Yeah, we're trying to get into the you know, the mind of Gary on the New Japan because you know, but it's never never worked out because you can never really fully figure out where what is their thinking. So try to think what they might have had, you know, planned for that. I mean, at the re- recent Kazuna Road show, I mean, Hiromu even took a bump off the apron when he went to get in the ring to help open the ropes for uh, for Naito and then Dangerous Tigers not the mossy apron again. He was only out there to commentate the poor boy. So I'm wondering if he was taking that bump off the apron. Maybe it was maybe I was getting my hopes up a little bit. I mean, that's with with injury. He had to have taken a bump. He has to be somewhere near ready to be allowed to even take that because let's face it, they, they don't want anything happening to him. I mean, they've even kept him busy. He's done commentary. He's helped clean the ring. <laughs> he's done ring announcing. Uh, he almost yanked Naito's arm off during celebrations. He- I remember Kevin Gilliam said he wanted Roma wanted to join the English commentary team for one of the uh, Wrestle Grand Slam shows when they were originally meant to go ahead, and Rocky Romero was going to be like, "Wait, wait, what?" Because uh, I'm not I'm actually not even sure what how good Roma's English even is, but and then they said that we were meant to get Woody Gino on Dominion, but because they changed it from a Sunday to a Monday, he couldn't do it, and so you got uh, Kevin Kelly, Chris Charlton, and Rocky Romero. So when Rocky hears about both Gino and uh, Romy wanted to do commentary. He's, Rocky's like, wait, so I wasn't even second choice. I was third choice. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely brilliant. It's it's just pure comedy gold. The thought of Romy on commentary does excite me. Even if his English is probably terrible, I don't care. Just get him on it. It'll be it'll be hilarious. Yeah, it can't be any worse than when the Yoshi Tatsu was on the English commentary for a bit back in the day. <laughs> Let's not rem- let's not remember that. I tried scrubbing that out of my mind. I'll try as well. <laughs> but from one big title match to another big title match for the vacated belt, we had Okada against Shingo. Third single match these two have had in pretty much a year. Mm, yeah, I think the first one was in last year's G1, which Okada won, and then back at the New Japan Cup, which single one, which gave him the confidence to say. He wanted to jump the line ahead of Okada to face Osprey. Yep. So we had two. We had, we, they kind of like we had a one apiece, and this match did not disappoint me. This was exactly the match I was hoping for. I was blown away. Shingo just really cementing himself as a top guy. There can be no doubt in anyone's mind after his performance against Okada. Mm-hmm. I would one hundred percent agree. That was only a. I don't think it was that long ago the Best of the Super Juniors uh, feature show where I said that I definitely thought he was a future world champion. I didn't think it would come as soon as it did. And, you know, I was I did not know what to expect going into this match with Okada because, you know, I, I, was, I was optimistic for his chances in the G1 match, but I thought it probably won't happen. But they did get dangerously close to the 30-minute time limit in that G1 match. So I thought, even if you take him to a draw, that'll still be an accomplishment. Like when Scotland drew nothing each with with England recently, uh, <laughs> but I was sad that he didn't win, and then I, I wasn't expecting him to win the G in the New Japan Cup match, but then he did, and that really helped, like my enjoyment of that match. And then so this one won a piece 
with Thurkada, you know, the you know, New Japan's old faithful, you know, that you always go back to when something happens, and the idea that there's still a Tokyo Dome show to come and, like, only could go back to Okada, but, you know, Shingo is, really, is on fire right now, and Shingo did just come off all title loss. I didn't know what was going to happen, and, it, like, how much of the original plans got changed. But when it, it did happen, believe me, I was so happy. I, I thought the horse single was my favourite New Japan star going today. So I've, it was a proud moment. The, the belt looks great on him. This new version of the belt looks great on him. And I, I'm trying to think what this properly, but it feels like this match was like, I don't want to say a proper New Japan like main event, but it feels like kind of main event you expect to see from a big New Japan show, like a Dominion like you'd see on a new big or even a dome show, where like because I think Ibushi and Osprey kind of brought something different when they were in their main events, but I think it's because Okada's in and Okada's often the main event. They worked that that style that you expect to see in the New Japan main event. You know they took their time, they gave it plenty. I'll tell you that when uh, I've got it here, when thirty six minutes this match went, you know, and it didn't feel overly long at all. Uh, one downside I think was. A move that I was surprised you didn't bring up recently, because when you were on the most recent uh, feature show about best worst finishers, he said it was a New Japan move and you're worst, I thought, he's going to say the money club, isn't he? And I was surprised <laughs> you didn't, because if I was on that show, my two options for worst finisher would have been either that or probably the Judas effect. See, I, I almost went for the money clip just because it drains the absolute energy out of the crowd, but I had to go with Yoshihashi's butterfly lock because it's it sucks. <laughs> as I mentioned on that feature show I've been put into it and it does not hurt I can easily get out of it I like this, sucks again, just like Yoshihashi <laughs> sucks again, more, more questions about your, your spare thing that was one of the many times you said have you ever been put this move? I've been put this move. me and my friends tried this move like, and then you're talking about giving Chihuahua with cocaine like, what, is, what are your evenings and weekends like yeah, I, just, I would not like to know what's really going on in your world <laughs> oh, the thing, the things that you do with your pals just to pass the time when you're bored it's like, you're trying to take this move <laughs> three beers later let's do it I mean I know about taking moves and I didn't have to be sold by me I'm a, a, a child who as a child who grew up with a, a trampoline in my back garden and an older brother uh, who was also into wrestling I, was, I took a fair share of moves uh, on that trampoline whether I wanted to or not but I was also glad that also the foot move that he used to win this, uh, to win the title, the last, last of the dragon. I was surprised that you managed to get, like, I know Sarah watched New Japan, but the rest of the panel, which is prim- primarily WWE viewers, maybe some AEW, all managed to agree that last of the dragon was like the best, well, the best finish of the modern era. And I definitely would agree with the arguments you made because uh, it's proved to be a really protected move so far. I don't think I've seen anybody kick out of it so far in his New Japan run. Uh, but you know, credit to the whole using the money club aside, I really like some of the spots and like using it like a made in Japan on the outside as well as Okada bringing back that kind of draping DDT like with his feet across, with the feet across the apron and also love that he kind of like set up towards the finish where a single kind of hit his own version of the Rainmaker you might wonder like if Okada I think they kind of teased if Okada managed to actually go for the Rainmaker when he had the opportunity maybe Okada would have won the title I mean, when I was sitting watching Dominion, like I, I, I literally was sitting there, and I was on, I was on, on my lunch at work, and I was watching it in the break room, and then the pure silence of the break room. But as soon as Okada was going from the, the rainmaker, all you heard was 
Don't you bloody dare, you bastard. You leave him alone. <laughs> the two people that were in the break room as well just kind of looked at me and I was just like, wrestling. <laughs> did, did they also not hit like a version of the Noshigami into the, the, into the turnbuckle as well? Oh yeah, that was beautiful. Like, it, it was fantastic to see like Shingo working a match at because Shingo's very explosive to so to see him mix it up by going in that kind of Okada style longer match taking time it shows because like like when you look at things like Shingo and Osprey for example being the prime example it's very fast never really slows down kind of skips the first two gears and goes straight from third onwards Shingo worked a proper match here and and to me cemented showed why he is the one that deserves this spot. I, I, I would 100% agree. Like I said, I think that's why I said there was such a different feel where like Okada and like Night, people like Naito like to, like the main main eventers you think of in New Japan, like to start off slow with their matches. And I think Shingo adapted to that still kind of very well where they set things up. They didn't, even though the static matches, they didn't feel like it dragged at any point. And that Noshigami, I bring it up because, you know, I think it looks more devastating into a New Japan turnbuckle because it's just a straight, like, turnbuckle, kind of like a boxer, right? not the three buckles, like, with the pads on them that you expect to see in, like, a WWE ring or an AEW ring. So I think that made it look more devastating. And the fact that it was it got moved to a Monday, the Dominion, was a pain for me because, you know, even though I'm working from home, you know, so I was avoiding the group chat, like, the plague. And making sure that I did not get anything spoiled for me. Because, uh, like, if, if they, if, cause I, even though I was, like, I was still hesitant to go 50-50 going into it because I didn't know if they were going to just, I wasn't just going to go back to Okada, you know, old faithful uh, for them. I thought even though there's, like, kind of like Ben Affleck, Don, uh, Superman and Don, just, you know, there's a 1% chance that he could be the champion. I have to take it as an absolute certainty that I cannot get it spoiled for me. Yeah, that's, I, I kind of like to, to manage to avoid spoilers. I pretty much timed it. I got my friend who was watching it live at home because I was in the office and I said to him, Tell me when the main event's about to start so I can take my lunch just for this. Mm-hmm. So I missed everything else live and I, that was the only match I saw live. I had to go back and watch everything else later on that night because of work, but that was such a perfect lunch break for me. So worth it. <laughs> And like even I don't mind watching some of these shows kind of like not live, but like watching later because even if I watch them a day later and I manage to avoid spoilers, I can totally still get that reaction. Also, especially if it's a big show and what's coming next is mostly like Road Two shows. I I, I enjoy watching it and I immediately going on New Japan's website to see a shitload of stuff that gets announced. and thinking that'll be good to talk about on the podcast. That'll be good to talk about on the show. <laughs> and then I remember we were talking about uh, like I don't I think when I was menu I didn't know if I'd seen. Uh, Obushi coming out later on, uh, after the match, and you mentioned oh he's next opponent, and I'm like what? And then I seen there was Obushi coming out, and I'm like yes, hooked this match to my veins. And I love the fact that Shingo, I, I really do like it when like a, when a champion who's just won the belt actually names their first defense. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. There's something I quite like about it, the fact that he said Ibushi, we've got to do this. Um, and he actually used the the term murder, <laughs> a murderous match that only we we can put on. So Shingo Ibushi is going to be an absolute stormer, and it is taking place at the dome. And that to me is going to be exciting. It'll be I think Ibushi's fourth dome main event. It'll be Shingo's first. Uh huh. Yeah, because 
Boosie may have, would have been invented night one of 14 and then both nights of a uh, first king of 15. So yeah, that will be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I bet you see, uh, like, getting to see full-on murder Boosie going up against, you know, with, with the Kamigoi going up against the Pumping Bomber will be something to see, you know, talk about slapping meat. Because uh, I remember Jeff Cobb, I meant to say, when we talked about that, about Jeff Cobb like, would say in Back to Cones, like, I want I want to face Murder Abushi. And unfortunately, got Murder Abushi, you know, <laughs> knee down, Kamigoi, fuck you, good night. But, so I want to see if, like, I, I'm hopeful that uh, Shingo will win as much as I love Abushi, because, like, I want to see somebody hold that belt. You know, if he holds it, like, Past the G1, you'll seem like a marathon run for that belt since it debuted, given what happened with Ibushi and Osprey's reigns. Yeah, I mean, to me, ideally, in, in my mind, booking wise, I want to see Shingo hold this belt right to the dome. If he drops it at the dome next year, fair play. That still gives a good, like, solid six, seven months. It gives enough time to do what I like about the way in Japan way of doing, like, a defence only every once or two like once every month, month and a half gives us enough time to get three or four defences build up a nice little run mm-hmm. I definitely agree like we need a solid like lane run even if he holds it past the Tokyo Dome uh, it really a long way I think is what's needed with this belt to help further legitimise this new version of the IWGP title because like the old heavyweight titles uh, people are used to seeing people with long reigns, and so I think it needs somebody to hold it for like at least six months to a year to further make it like get people to be more accustomed to this new version of the title. Yeah, and I mean to me, there's a match that whenever Osprey does get cleared to come back, because there's no timeline on that. That is a match that needs to happen. Shingo needs to prove that he can hold the belt against Osprey. I mean, poor Osprey lost his belt and then lost his girlfriend not long after. <laughs> in real life, but that's that's just that's just the that's just the damn luck, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like the the reign of the dragon has begun. Um, a few defenses in my mind, like we're getting a bushy. Great, I want to see him defend against Kenta. Oh, where's Kenta gone? By the way, like, I know I remember he did the was on the six man tag titles not too long ago, but. Where, where, has he disappeared? I don't know where he's gone. I mean, as long as we as long as we don't get don't rush to give us Evil versus Shingo unless it's in the G one. They happen to be in the same block because I don't want to see Evil anywhere near the main event. No KOPW or six man title. That's where he belongs right now. Yeah, I mean that's it. I mean I look through the cards that are announced so far for Kazuna Road's like sort of last half. Where's Kenta? Uh huh. Where is Kenta? One thing I'm hoping is that he may be back in the US. Maybe we'll see him on strong, or maybe because you know we've seen Ego P show up in a at a Impact Wrestling. Maybe because they teased a Bullet Club logo when their promos for Slammiversary. Could we see Kenta showing up at Slammiversary? I'd like to see that. That would be absolutely insane. Like the idea of that, just that that very much excites me. Or something that we'll cover in a bit more detail later. The uh, the big. American show that's going to be happening in August as well. Wouldn't say no yeah. to him appearing at that. I mean, looking at the Impact Ross, I'm just thinking, you know, bloody Kenta v Rhino or Kenta v Josh Alexander. Either of those will make me very happy. Oh yes, Kenta v Josh Alexander is money. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's that that's a fantastic idea that and you know we've we've got a very exciting time ahead we've got our new champion and um i love the fact that in his post-match comments he kind of went oi where's the rest of lij why am i celebrating this myself <laughs> i know that really is like the weird thing about lij like i know they don't come out to like help each, help each other uh like unless they need really need you like that time uh Hiroma helps and added during the g1 but you know you'd think they at least come out for like the post-match like celebration because we know they were on the show because they were in one of the like the tag matches on the undercard. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of Sanada and Naito, I mean, Shingo suggested that they were kind of jealous, and from Dominion we did get a setup that started at Dominion and started going into because in the road leading towards an eventual tag title match, we're going to be getting Naito and Sanada against Dangerous Techers. Mm. And how yeah. they got this match. It made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I know because like, it was funny that they like because I know they won. Uh, the, I think it was Nada got the win over. Was it maybe Zach? I think I can't really yeah, remember. With an Aussie suplex, they called it on the website. <laughs> Which I, I knew it would annoy Zach because you know he's got that history with a uh, with Sonata. Like remember where he beat him with the Benzo on the G one? Like he beat me. The bloody backflip. <laughs> <laughs> So like, it was weird, but it was weird that they went from losing that six-man tag match to immediately trying to go for other tag, another set of tag titles. I think Naito is just desperate to, Naito and Sanada are really desperate to be champions at the minute. Uh, but I wouldn't say no to seeing them. I think it's another match we're going to get on Summer Struggle. Uh, it was interesting because I wonder what that means with the uh, with God with Lig v God at some point. If Lig get the win, would be interesting because uh, that was a. Dangerous Tigers beat G.O.D. on the road too and I, I loved it again. I always love Dangerous Tigers doing, getting to do backstage comments. Because uh, hey, yeah, it's actually Virginia after they won the tag titles back going oh, what, the, what the bloody Zemas? The only thing, only thing worse than having a warm Zema yeah, is having no Zemas at all. And he points up to the board that has all sponsors. Look, it's one of the bloody sponsors. <laughs> it's absolutely golden you know we've, we've, we've talked about a lot of different things and one thing we forgot to mention the, the great return at that tag title match between G.O.D. and Techers she came back to Tai Chi she came back <laughs> Abby Miho's back <laughs> yeah uh, and she was crying oh, I don't know if that was I, I think that, that did seem to be a kind of a genuine thing like she like, was seem happy to be back and she didn't get too heavily like, involved, but I think they did try and imply that her being back was maybe the good luck charm that Dangerous Tigers needed to get the tag titles back. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, the the Tigers god match was, I think we got the match that everyone wanted the first time. Mm-hmm. We got the conclusive finale, and it looked brilliant. Like, G.O.D. has pretty much been, they have been the benchmark for the tag division for quite some time now since the likes of the Good Brothers and that went off to other play, other pastures mm-hmm. and Techers over the last year have really brought a fresh bit to the tag division now Naito and Sanada challenging for the belts I think that's going to be a unique team up because despite them being LIJ stalemates as a tag team they're still fairly fresh as just a, a, like a duo and I like that mm-hmm. I do like they're also uh, trying new combinations with uh, LIG, they had Shingo and Sonata as a team in the, the World Tag League. They were my dark horse pick to win the tournament. You got this version of the Evil and Sonata 
were tag team the tag team for quite a long time uh, when Evil's still part of the group. So I think it's good because I think that they're making up for the fact that uh, they they don't always get have God and they don't have like some of their more guiding teams like Finjuice at the minute. Then you think of new like fresh matchups for the tag division, and you know it makes them seem more like worth going after when somebody like people like Sanada and uh, Naito have just been challenging for the world title or going after them. Kind of like when you had Ibushi and, and Tanahashi as the Golden Aces going after them last year. Yeah, and, and the the ingenuity and how they actually managed to force their way into this tag match. Oh, we we want your autograph. Oh my God, it's Tai Chi. Please do this autograph for me and Sanada. And then they got with ZSJ, and then they're pretty much like, oh yeah, by the way, we've also got the signature of the chairman. This is actually a contract, not just an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I was like, that's a Yano-style way of getting yourself into a title match. I know, it is very unique, but you know, it's interesting how they, they managed to do it. I mean, I did think it was funny when they won that match at Dominion that I think as soon as they got the win, then your tickers tried to beat up the poor ref, and then Naito just got in, and then he started picking on the ref as well. I love that, just Naito being a complete total shape bag. It's just, it's like, no, no, I, I'm meant to do this. And... <laughs> It was um, like night was birthday the other day as well, and the mm. gift. <laughs> I just loved that the the box. It's like, oh my god, thank you. Oh yeah, you're just gonna batter me now. <laughs> well, we didn't see see what was in the box. Could be anything. Could be a nice hat. Could be Gwyneth Paltrow's head. We uh, we don't know. I mean, <laughs> a robot even got on poppers and everything, and the poor boy got knocked off the apron. <laughs> I know it's just like poor robot. He's just trying to give his give his mates a wee helping hand into the ring and. I'm so glad that like Hiromu hasn't disappeared this time that he's kind of stayed there because even when he's not wrestling, he's just so funny. I know. Like when he runs down to the ring to he do like the rundown of the card and everything as well. But whenever he mentions something to do with the junior heavyweight title, he always makes sure he mention that he's going, he's going, he's coming for it as soon as he gets like healthy enough. And that keeps that in fans' minds as well. Oh. Uh, and so, like, I think July 10th is a summer struggle in supporters when the junior retail match happened, and then the following days when we're actually getting a uh, Sonata Dangerous Tigers v Sonata and Naito. And again, like I said to you, I was surprised they weren't doing this at the, the dome, but you know, we'll see where they go as long as it doesn't mean we're. I just hope they, they don't like try and some DQ thing like they did with DOD to then tie this over to a rematch or something at, uh, at the dome because that would just piss me off. Cause, the because I agree with you, the Dominion match with UD was really what I think was missing because the match at the Tokyo Dome was too short. They, they had that long match that ended in a DQ. This is the match they needed. So well, let's get back to proper matches that don't have you know shit finishes. Yeah, it's I can get a DQ finish if it's done in the right way, but that one was it just wasn't executed right. It was controversial, you know, they did get people talking, but it wasn't the kind of reaction that they really wanted people to have to yeah so, they duffed that one up but we've, we've got we've, we've got where we are now and we have some potential wonderful matchups waiting for us in the future <laughs> yeah it did set up a fun ladder match but then they got rid of the thing they were fighting for immediately in the ladder match so again in further hindsight made it even more stupid I know just absolute daft but you know I'm looking forward to that match in, in, in Sapporo at Summer Struggle and, you know, we've got that title match coming up. Um, the next one I want to talk about is 
titles that we talked about at one point being almost non-existent, disappearing, mm. and they're they're now like the bloody most defended title in the company lately. The six-man tag belts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was interesting. It's also interesting the, the different combinations of people you get challenging them from there because we already had a, a group from from a Bullet Club channeling with where we had like Kenta, Yujiro, uh, and Isimori, but now we've got Evil, Yujiro, and Dick Togo. And they were talking about what what will Dick Togo do? Like, what, how is he going to play a factor? Is he going to be the difference maker in this? Because uh, they did have a really fun uh, a 10 man elimination match where they managed to get rid of uh, Evil, sorry, they managed to get rid of, of Tomohiro Ishii after Bloody Togo just choked him out with his Garrett getting himself disqualified, but he just he and he just kind of like, oh, off you go. So they did their best, even though Dicto doesn't wrestle that often, they make him seem like a threat in that six-man match. And yeah, like, I agree with you, like, it's interesting how defended these belts. We know, I remember when I'm watching this match, I, I could not th- stop thinking of the, your recent comments on the best worst, worst finishers whenever uh, she actually locked in the butterfly lock. <laughs> I think you've got like a shit Phil Nelson and I agree, because it does look like you've went to give someone like the paradigm shift, but somebody, but the guy you're giving to has slipped, and you've went in with them. That's what it looks like to me. Uh, but they did; they were a lot of full finish that I really thought they were actually going to give Bullock of the Belt, maybe to justify this whole evil and Dick Togo apparently even being in Bullock, but they were going to give them the six-man belts. But that didn't prove happening, uh, and it was Ishii getting the, the fall, and I think they've already passed the record for like, most defences, and now I think they've now they're going for their record of for like longer I think Makabe, Yano and Toguchi have still have the longest reign, but I think it looks, these guys are well on track to break that reign. Yeah, they only need to hold it for about another twenty three days um to to beat the record for the, 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 the length of the reign. Um yep, six defences are the most closest behind is Toguchi, Makabe and Yano with a combined total of four. And I'm, I'm going to say as much as you know, I slag Yoshihashi. In these six-man tag matches, he somehow impresses me. He somehow makes me f- feel sympathetic towards them. And the, the, like the, the Chaos team, that, that trio is a very well-made trio. They, they work so well with each other. They've got good chemistry. And most of these six-man belt-like defences are usually going for about 30-plus minutes, and I never get bored of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... Kevin Kelly has even like bigged it up on English commentary, talking about how these were very much mid stuck in the mid card. But not only like, are you guaranteed to get good matches now whenever these are defended, but they're sought after. The matches are often going like thirty minutes, and you know, I think these guys being in chaos quite a while as they have been would have teamed up numerous times. But it wasn't until now when they went as a trio properly after the six man belts that we've seen this chemistry between them. We we didn't know like they would have. Like we didn't realize just how well these, these three would work together because like some of the combination moves that I said before that they've managed to pull out in these matches, uh, which end up helping them like get the win. Like it's just something else like the speed that they can get as well when they're working together. We finally found you know where Oshiashi is most useful after just being kind of an afterthought for quite a while, and uh, we talked about twenty three days uh, they got to hold, but before then they've got another title defense which uh, I'm. I'm I don't mind to discount it immediately, but I'm sure that they're going to probably hold on to it as well because I don't think they'd mention it if they they're, they're going to break the record if they weren't going to have them do it. Because Kevin Kelly said after this next team made the challenge, it was like 
Yeah, well, the thing about records is you have to earn them. Yeah, I mean, that's it. The, like, the, the match itself against Bullet Club for the three Bullet Club members that they chose was actually pretty decent. Um, yep, get around you, dick, though. You got beat. <laughs> um, but the, the the team that came out, I like. I've noticed that like they've actually kind of given them a, a name now, the third gen, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to be getting it's uh, Kojima, Nagata, and Tenzan. Uh, so essentially, ten Kozi with Nagata, um, and you know, Kojima and Nagata have had kind of a, a little bit of spotlight lately with their stints over in America, with the likes of getting to AEW and getting into Impact. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's I think it's going to be actually going to be a really solid match because like the three old timers still hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a different match from what the Chaos trios came up against. They've mostly came up against kind of mixed combos of juniors and heavy. Well, this is a pure heavyweight and it's all veterans with some serious credentials behind them. Yeah, and that's going to happen on July second because in the road and the night before we've got some interesting singles matches set up with the. Yoshihashi v Tenzan, Goto versus Kojima, and Nagata versus uh, Ishii, which is the one I think of the three I'm probably most excited for is that last one. And then you got the match of Fallen Eight. Uh, I'm interested to see what's going to happen because uh, Kojima being involved in it, I think he's probably going to be having to go back to the States very soon because uh, he got a win over on a most recent Impact over Rhino, who's part of the Tag Team Champions in Impact, as part of Violent by Design. And they said that that means that Kojima and Eddie will now probably get a shot at some point and I assume maybe Kojima will be part of Slam Adventure getting that tag title shot which is again a big spoiler for him at this late stage in his career so I don't see it working out for them but it's still going to be a hell of a match yeah like and another for the spotlight for these guys because Yoshihashi I think is clearly the most like and still the earliest in his career of all of them even though he came back from his excursion around 2012 so like it's just Yoshihashi and six veterans so it's going to be a very interesting like combination of a uh, combination of guys in that ring, and again, like it's probably going to be another great like close to thirty minute match. I mean, just to add some interesting step, um, sort of stats for this one. I've got the stats up on the website right now, so I'm going to run them by you, and I'm actually bloody surprised with this one. So first off, Ishii and Nagata for their singles match. Their singles record is seven four to Nagata. Mm. So that's that's kind of interesting. The the second match, Goto and Kojima, uh, three two to Goto. Mm, Yoshihashi and Tenzan. Yoshihashi and Tenzan, one nil to bloody Yoshihashi. because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm trying to think. I think I remember them having a match. Was it? I may have been in the the New Japan Cup, maybe the 2021. But yeah, I think I remember that being a thing. I mean. Nagata, I'm not surprised because Nagata is a, a veteran and you know, you see when he came in New Japan, he kind of like had to work his way up. The Goto Kojima and that one surprises me, I think, more than any of them. But yeah, she has, she's got one over Tenzan and I want to see like in that six-man tag uh, title match, Nagata to get the Nagata look on uh, on Yoshihashi. Um, listen, you be this is how you properly look at them. This is how you do a proper <laughs> submission finisher. This is how you make someone tap out, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think it is going to be a, a surprise banger because the old guys, as much as I've said to people in the past, like Sarah's partner, Dan, I've said sometimes I feel like these old guys kind of take up a bit of space in the card that could be used for the young lions or younger talent. 
but in the last year or so when they've kind of not had as many foreign talent over in the federal line bringing these guys back in they've not disappointed yeah definitely I mean I'm, I'm a big fan of Kojima so I was excited when he popped up in Impact because I think I've watched more Impact than New Japan nowadays than I do for the main roster of WWE and I still try to keep up with NXT as much as possible uh, and I really enjoyed Nagata's work like his match we, we raved about his match with Suzuki last year I really enjoy his match with Moxley. Tenzan, I'm not as big on, but you know he's still like performance at a better level than most people his age. You know, I think these guys are around about the same age as the likes of Buddy Goldberg in that are. And you've seen Goldberg's last couple of matches, but so there you go. I think these guys are still from a higher level at like some other wrestlers their age, and so it still should be a good match. I remember like the first the first couple of shows we did, we were talking about how like you know. Oh, like we were t- bringing down the card uh, for a show. I think we made rescue them. I think there was a six-man title, like number one contender thing on the pre-show. And I was like, oh, should we even talk about this? Nah, nobody cares. And then <laughs> like a show or so later, episode or so later, uh, LIG got the tag titles and they started raising them up a wee bit. Then they got vacated. And then but they, what we thought was going to happen with LIG's champions got taken to another level with this Chaos Trio as tag champs. So like, that's one of the major developments I think in our time of doing East meets West I mean it's crazy because the, the three old guys are going for it Nagata's the oldest at 53 and Kojima and Tenzan are both 50 mm-hmm. that is absolutely nuts to think that they are still going for like big gold in a big promotion and compared to the likes of Go- Bill Blomarsu after just walking to the ring Goldberg mm-hmm. they, they can still go like solid like long matches like look at Suzuki and Nagata that was a prime example. So, you know, exciting stuff in the six-man tag belt front. And it wasn't the only tag title match that we've had on Kazuna Road, presented by Godzilla sees King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> we also had the junior tag belts defended just a few, just yesterday, at the time of recording. We had the junior tag belts, Rapongi 3K against the cutest tag team in all Bullet Club. <laughs> Even though ELP's starting to look like he's got a dodgy dye job and a bit of a dodgy fake tan. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I was really surprised with the outcome here. Yeah, I didn't think there was any way the titles were changing hands. I honestly, I think I've seen an image on New Japan World of Rohogi uh, uh, holding the tie titles with the like the the background where you they usually do their the backstage comments. And I assumed that was after that, that was taken after the Kazuna Roadshow where they defend the titles. And so when uh, Desperado, so when AOP, so when EOP like stomps on a uh, on Yo's Yo's foot with the loaded boot and then hits sudden death, and it actually got through. I'm like, because I can see Yo uh, show out there in Kevin Hill badly. Like he's really cutting it fine if he's going to break this up too. He's not, is he going to get in the three? Like, oh shit, they actually changed the titles. Because <laughs> again, I thought that they teased that dissension between uh, ELP and Asian Warriors. I thought they were going to have, have that pay, play through here where they don't win the tag titles and then maybe ELP accidentally gets involved somehow at uh, Summer Struggle. But, you know, I was surprised that they actually won the, the tag belts given that, you know, I thought, hey, like, oh, well, you didn't win the, the junior heavyweight title, but, you know, but your Hongi Digger still going to have a decent reign as junior tag terms, you know, getting back to being a good tag team again. Like, oh, no, they've lost them again. 
Uh, <laughs> other than like the the finish, which was surprised me because I didn't see it coming, I I'm, I can't say I was the highest on the actual matches. So I think these teams have had better uh, matches. It did pick up during the last ten minutes, last few minutes or so, but I think overall it was kind of like it was okay. But you know, the finish is what I will remember it for. Yeah. Have to admit, like that that is one thing that I've really actually enjoyed with um, ELP over the last sort of like six months or so when you came back and that is that sudden death super kick. Mm-hmm. We've had the questions about the boot. It, it's clearly loaded. No one's been able, able to prove it, and it's been it's actually been brilliant. Like it, it's it really just cements his like sort of like arrogance. Mm-hmm. And he was like bragging about it afterwards and talking about how smart he is after the match. He's like, I'm not some dumb heavyweight who gets blown up after a few minutes. And he pads over the uh, the microphone to the Isimori so he can big up their match with uh, with Desperado. I think Desperado would have been on commentary for this, or at least he was done commentary for at least one of their matches during the tour. So. Like it's, it does seem like, you know, while the, the six-man belts that went for a while were the titles that could be changed at any time, much like the never singles belt. No, finally the tag, the six-man champs are having long reigns, and now the junior titles, especially the junior tag belts, are really flip-flopping, because, you know, since the start of the year, we've had it go from uh, Suzuki-gun to ELP and Ishimori, to then uh, Roppongi-3 uh, back to Suzuki-gun, or Tara Fongisiki back to ELP and Desperado and uh, Ishimori. Honestly, th- those junior tag titles are getting bounced around more than the unwanted bastard stepchild. <laughs> <laughs> it's unreal. I've never seen it. Like, and it is showing uh, one area where Japan is lacking. Their junior tag division is shockingly lacking depth. And there's people they could use. Where is the captain? Where is my hero, Captain? Toguchi, where are you with your funky weapon? Use Uranus, win a title. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel so silly now. Remember when we actually thought uh, Toguchi and what, oh, the, the Ass Masters were going to win the titles and if you hear Dexter in the background, he's very disappointed. He wants to know where <laughs> Toguchi is as well. I know, I know. I mean, he gets so loud as well. I mean, don't, don't try and give him cocaine. He's bad enough as he is. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Like, that, that is a tag team I want to see come back. I want to see the return of the Ass Masters. In fact, I think we might actually be getting them in some of the matches coming up. And on the like the upcoming ro- like Kazuna Road shows. I've missed Taguchi. I've missed his antics. Bring back the Ass Masters. Taguchi's in, <laughs> Taguchi is on the cards. He's just not in the same team as Wato. They're both kind of across two different teams featuring the, the third generation, as, we, as we've been calling them. Um, but yes... Ask Masters for the gold, please make it happen. Listen to me, Gado. You will not regret it. Well, we know you listen to this show because I'm pretty sure we've mentioned one or two things, or at least ideas that have come to fruition in some form or another, which makes a change. Like, like it's more than not what we say, they do the exact opposite. And we're like, huh, I did not see that coming. Yes, I mean, it's. I mean, no, like the that's with Rapongi three cave dropping. That's ELP and Ishimori, like three time champs. Mm-hmm. There's not really much more else I can really say about this. You know, it's it's happened. Um, where it'll lead to next, I'm still not entirely sure, to be honest. Yeah, it's surprising because like two of the three reigns have have come this year. 
no, uh, Rohongi took care of five times stamps, but again, they faced a lot of the same teams in those reigns, so I think even pre-pandemic they had a bit of an issue, but it's been highlighted even more over the last year. Exactly. But one thing that's not been lacking during this pandemic is fresh matches for the Young Lions, Suji and Yumura, who had their little gauntlet of singles matches um, on the Kazuna Road Tour so far. I don't know about you, but I've actually really loved watching these matches. I've, I've made sure to pay attention and watch them because it's been brilliant. I don't think I've got a chance to watch as many as you. I did watch one, what I did really pay attention to was Yumura uh, versus uh, Ibushi because Ibushi probably beat the shit out of uh, Yumura and like, was it getting Kelly explained it, you know, like he's not going to go easy on him, like he's going to say, I'm like, listen, like, fight back. If you don't fight back, I'm going to fucking hit you. And, you know, I don't think he really come with like the Kanagoya or anything like that. He beat him with a very unique looking submission. But like it was, I think he's lucky he got off lucky just the way just from that submission because he's lucky that uh, as well that like, Bushi didn't have to pull out the bloody Kamigori. And you know, it's interesting because I remember like going to the cards. I seen at one point like one of them was one one of them was going to get a match with Buddy Shingo and one of them was going to get a match with Okan. Like Jesus, like I know I've heard about like throwing guys in at the deep end, but Jesus, like. Really putting these guys to their paces, aren't they? Oh yeah, it's it's unreal. Like some of the talent that they've actually put them up against. Like um, Yamura finally got his death wish. He <laughs> finally got Suzuki for his first one. Why you would ask for that, I don't know. Um, yeah, we've had the likes of Okada involved, Ibushi, Taichi, ZSJ. Um, Yamura's got Shingo on the same card as the next six man title match. It shows you how much faith and how much they're putting in these young lines, the fact they're letting Yumura have a non-title match against their top champion. Mm-hmm. You know what I wonder, maybe, like I said, they're trying to test like how well these guys are going to do before they go they go on like, excursion, like, so you can tell that excursion can't be you know, too long away from these guys. Yumura, I'm surprised he's made the series uh, Bushi match, like if he had to start the series against Suzuki, you know, it's not bad enough actually getting getting to face Suzuki as a young lion, but having him as your first of a series of like matches that I might test you, like at least save him to the end as a final boss because uh, I think you know if I was a young lion and I got put in against Suzuki, I'd be told, oh, test this young kid and let Suzuki, they basically give Suzuki license to beat, hit me as hard as he could. I'd be like, I don't know how serious I am about this wrestling malarkey. I know, it's like, who wakes up and goes, today's a good day to fight Minoru Suzuki? I choose death. I choose violence. <laughs> Sociopath. That's who. That's who does it. Absolutely lunatic. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like they, I've I've enjoyed the. They are worth a watch for anyone that's not had the time to watch them. I highly recommend. They're, they all generally only go for about ten, twelve minutes each. It's a nice little showcase. The young lions get a bit of offense in. Just kind of shows it how far along they've came, and it's clear that excursions are going to be on the horizon for them mm-hmm. and that, that, that kind of ties up with really how much we know what's going on in Japan at the moment and I think it's a good time for us to go over to America because New Japan Strong has been brilliant lately Yeah, I think we've got a lot this is like the, looking at the notes we've got here, like the most like on the US side that we've had to talk about and maybe some time if ever Yeah, that's it there's, there's so much to so much happening um, obviously the last time we talked was was the open weight title already confirmed at that point who won it it's yeah, been that we, long 
I think we talked about the fact that uh, that the first champion had been crowned, but and we talked about the fact that uh, the match with Dickinson had been set up. I think we actually recorded short a week or so before the Dickinson match was made to happen. That's how long ago it was since we left the episode. And that was a brilliant match. I really enjoyed Lawler and Dickinson. Me, me too. I, I watched. I remember watched it quite late uh, after it happened, but. Like the fact they went near enough the twenty minute mark and it didn't feel like it. Like I remember, they just had a straight obviously like amateur wrestling style match for the first five minutes, and then you know you can probably hear the the thing you were giving you the like every so every five minutes giving telling you how much is a lot because obviously they wrestling with no fans, so it's probably echoing. But when he said you know five minutes is a lot, I'm like really, and you know you had Team Filthy on the outside, but like I know as I said that I thought it was weird. They were going straight into this match with Dickinson rather than build to it, but it's still like I'm, I'm, it didn't disappoint. I don't think, and it was a strong first title defense for Lawler, and uh, it's very interesting who they've already set up for his next challenger. But I think for me, one of my favorite spots in this is when uh, I think Dickinson locks in a, like, a leg hook on a uh, Lawler. So Lawler then grabs Dickinson's leg and locks him in one, and so then they're both fighting to get their like different leg. Ho- Holds on, and then Lawler basically grabs Dickinson's other leg and tries to tie them both up. Yeah, that was that was outstanding, and it's I've been loving how different the like the strong openweight match felt compared to their normal title matches with the the titles in Japan. Um, I'm actually looking forward. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm actually looking forward to Lawler's next defense against Fredericks. Mhm. Because I think Fredericks is kind of. Pushing off yeah, the uh, like throwing off the like status of young line, but he's not probably had a excursion yet. Instead, he's really just been silky and strong. But you guys think they're probably going to send him out somewhere once things start opening up? Uh, so interesting, like what their plans are for when he comes back. Because I was going to say, but Yuumura, Yuumura, like more than Suji. I think Yuumura's got bigger plans for when he's finished excursion. Given that he's also been, he was also the one to just like put into the the Super Junior last year. When I think Kanemaru got injured, and so it'll be interesting because again, it shows the variety of opponents that this open weight title can give you. Because he had somebody who was out with a similar style to Lawler in his first defense, and then I think Fredericks is still a complete wild card as an opponent. So it further sets up, and I like that they're not leaving you too long to uh, just, just find out who his next opponent's going to be. Yeah, that's it. It's it's really set up things nice. Things are moving fast, and I get the feeling Lawler is probably going to retain again, and it's going to set him up to. And I think they'll build up to August for the the big American event that'll be happening then. Um, but before I get to that one, I yeah, want to talk about. Oh. Sorry, sorry, I'm trying to figure. Like I was looking at the schedule, saying to go. Like I don't know if they, have they confirmed when the match is happening. Is it going to happen that big summer show? I've seen that they confirmed it. Uh, Lauren Fredericks is scheduled to happen on Strong and the uh, on the Ignition card. Ah, so we're not waiting very long for that at all. No, no, no. I think uh, yes, sir. I think it's here June twenty fifth. I think is when it might happen. Yeah, so we're. Wait, I, I, pretty much at the time of recording this, we're we're only a day away. Right, we're only a day away. So, uh, <laughs> at the time of recording, we don't know what happened, but I think uh, uh, if I predicted now that uh, uh, 
that Tom Lawler would retain, I don't think people would be surprised listening to this after it happened. Yep, I definitely think it's going to be a Lawler retain, and yeah, that's so. I mean, they've they've got that, and I don't know about you, Scott, but the next thing I want to talk about um, when I first saw these, I have been making all the jokes under the sun about these, the tag team turbulence, champion, title, trophies. King of the fist thing, I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah, these, these are some weird-looking trophies. Like, I like the idea of a tag team tournament. Also, you need something to fight for. But like, I thought, oh, these interesting tag titles, and that's what the winners get. Oh, they, they get these, these trophies, which look like kind of similar in the way the style that you know the the World Tag League trophies are like uh, an arm kind of thing. But the, there's a weird amount of detail to the fist and the arm. For these new tr- ones, so like it looks like somebody's uh, seen that, that and thought I could I could do a lot better, and I just added so much to it that it didn't need. It it just did not need that level of detail. Um, but it's a tournament, you know. Um, again, we're getting more tournaments. Japan loves throwing tournaments at us, you know. Mm-hmm. We we can't get. And I want to just do a quick breakdown of there's eight teams involved. And I'll mention my favourite team last because, let's face it, we know that I'm biased with these guys. But looking on the right-hand side of the bracket, we have Kevin Knight and the DKC against Joro Nelson and Royce Isaacs, the West Coast Wrecking Crew. Not a bad match on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, we then have one that really, really interests me. JR Kratos and Danny Limelight of Team Filthy against Brody King and Chris Dickinson of Violence Unlimited. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll say more of my thoughts once you've, if you've mentioned all the matches then I'll give my thoughts then going to the other side of the bracket we have Fred Yehi and uh, Wheeler Yuta against Eugene Nagata and Ren Narita what a team that mm-hmm. actually excites me and lastly Clark Connors and TJP ooh, against my favourite lads the good brothers Carl Anderson there. and Doc Gallows are finally back in New Japan they're here We've talked about it for fucking ages about when they were going to show up in New Japan and it makes sense that it happened on a US show to start off with and like all that, before I even heard anything about what the tournament was even for or about i just seen Titan and Turbulence and then i just seen an image of the Good Brothers and like I think you and Sarah were talking about the Good Brothers like the Good Brothers are back in Japan like wait what? <laughs> and this is very like, interesting I think they've got an easier road the first round I think a lot of people are immediately going to assume that these two are the like winners of this tournament, given that they're like maybe they'll use this to go back to Japan and like use this as their claim to the IWGP tag titles. Do whoever like holds whoever is the champions after LIGV Dangerous Takers. Uh, looking at the other matches, uh, I don't see it working out well for the DKC and Kevin Knight as they're technically you know LA Dojo like students, so you know, they're probably going to take the loss here. Royce Isaacs. I remember having he's popped up on Dark and Dark Elevation recently, and uh, I remember me and Steve talked about him a fair bit when we used to cover NWA Power from his team in the Wild Cards alongside uh, Thomas Latimer, K. Bram, uh, Jordan Nelson. I don't think I've ever actually seen him before, so it'll be interesting. Uh, Renderia and Nagai makes sense as a team, you know. Nerea is still technically you know, a, a young line, but team up with a veteran. Fred Yehi, I remember he was a big deal in Evolve, you know, back in the day, but I've not really heard much about him recently. And Wheeler Yuta, I liked what I've seen of him so far. Uh, he had a really good match on the same card as that strong title match that we talked about 
where he before on the undercard he fought a uh, ELP and uh, a really fun match. But this match, yeah, like I, I'd say maybe like I say, yeah, I think they're on the opposite of their back. It's winners of this match be the Good Brothers as the final. Sign me up, please, because I was going to suggest Brody King is a future challenger for Tom Waller because he did get involved in the title match where like Jr. Creos called the apron, but. Brody King helped defend him off, so that helps continue that story going into this. But yeah, either of these teams against the Good Brothers, take my money, please. Yeah, I mean, that's to me, the Good Brothers seem like a, a surefire shout to make the final. And it, it is, it's so hard to call between Violence Unlimited and Team Filthy. Either one of those two teams, to me, the thought of King and Dick Dickinson going up against Gallows and Anderson, I mean, essentially Gallows and King being your two big guys. Mm-hmm. And Anderson Dickinson being your two, still massive, but smaller guys. I, I honestly, the thought of that, and to me, it's a case of did they go with the safe route? Did they give the Good Brothers a win, set them on a, a prominent run in New Japan again? Or did they go for the upset, have the Good Brothers get beat, but establishing a new team going forward as a, a dominant force? I think, even though it seemed like the easy option, I think that's what they're going to go with with the Good Brothers, because I think. I believe when uh, I believe when I believe when the like, rumors were coming out about the relationship between the two companies, like when uh, Chris Bay got announced for the Super Jacob and everything, and the Forbidden Door really started to open, and it came out that talks were happening between New Japan and Impact. Uh, one of the big things that came out, I think, was from Fightful at the time, said that uh, the Good Brothers are like a team that New Japan want to have like come back. They want to put them for shows again, like while and they're around their Impact dates. And like the them wanting to have the Good Brothers back on at New Japan shows is what really helped open the door for the negotiations and helped this forbidden door between the two companies. And so I think also they're going to have big plans. And like, like I said, them using this to then go back to New Japan and say we want to be tag team champions again, and maybe that then leads to something between some tension between them and uh, God because as you said, God basically took up their spot as the top heavyweight team in Bullet Club. When they went to WWE, and like you said about the the tournaments, surprisingly, even though we've had like the strong New Japan Cup USA and the regular New Japan Cup, but I think that's pretty much been us so far this year. Which compared to last year, uh, is light in tournaments. But you know, we still got the bloody this, the New Japan, and uh, we've still got this. We've still got this, and the G1. Probably the combined World Tag League and Super Juniors against. So maybe I'm getting a bit too ahead of myself with saying, "Oh, we've not had that many tournaments." <laughs> Let's see what happens in the next few months. But you know, Strong's had all that, and they've announced New Japan Resurgence, which is going to be at the LA Coliseum, and it's going to be the first time they've got US fans in after 18 months. And I don't know about you, but looking at the talent, they've not announced any matches. Um, all they've announced are ticket prices and who's participating but looking at the list of wrestlers that are taking part there's a few standout names to me that really get me excited for this yeah and like, the fact that there's going to be fans there is going to really help because I think that's what put a lot of people off even watching these uh, New Japan like strong shows and Dave Belzer has said when he was asked I mean, when are New Japan strong going to have fans for their tables is like literally as soon as they're told you can ha- you can have fans again. They are going to get fans in for the tapings, which is, I'm, I can see them uh, not 
I can see them not uh, taping it so far in advance because like it's been a surprise how little stuff has gotten out from these tapings. So maybe don't tape so hit far in advance. But yeah, you got Finjus on the poster, Jay White, John Moxley's on the the poster they got, and they got like Fred Rosser standing very close to Tom Lawler. Maybe a title match between those two on that show. Leo Rush is there. I think he said that like, he's still got some commitments with New Japan that he's going to do before he hangs it up. And you got the Good Brothers as well. So the idea is not only you got the US champion, but you got the strong champion and never open weight champion. This looks like they've got a potential for a stacked fucking card. Uh, and I feel it's very important that we mentioned Moxley, his adopted son, is also on the card. Oh, Shooter. Shooter's back. Shooter's <laughs> going to be at it. And I'm just like, come on, let the reunion happen. In fact, oh. let Shooter. Turn on Moxley. The betrayal. I was going to see that. I was, see <laughs> I was listening to say like, they're going to celebrate reunited. And it feels so good. They're going to hug in the ring, and then Shooter's just going to kick him right in the balls. But he's still not going to say anything because he doesn't need to talk. Exactly. It's. I'm. I'm honestly. I mean, this is. They've just announced all these talents. They've not even confirmed any matches, but you've got enough there to make a solid card. And is this going to be where they make a big deal of? Will Moxley finally drop the belt? Are we going to have some sort of fresh matchups coming out of this? This is very exciting, especially fans being back. I'm expecting a complete raucous atmosphere. I definitely would agree. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Good Brothers and Finn just have a, a tag match looking at this poster, but I think if they wanted Moxley to drop the belt in front of a crowd, an actual New Japan crowd, then I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. You know, it helps free them up. For EEW and to also spend more time with Renee now that they've just had their, their baby. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the, the role of the US title is, how often it's going to go back and forth between the two, between the US and Japan, because I think the whole point of US belt was it was maybe a feature point in shows like this and on New Japan Strong, but now that they've got a strong open weight title, that's going to probably going to take, maybe they're going to try and position that maybe over the US belt or maybe with the US belt as the fan on the same show as a strong card they can pipe up as a big double main event or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that US title booking-wise once somebody does take it from Moxley. Not, not, not anybody, I don't see anybody on the actual poster that could take it from him, but maybe there's somebody yet to be announced, or maybe he'll lose it sometime down the road, but this is the road, this, this will be a seeing the US title more frequently. This will be the road to Moxley eventually dropping it. That's it. I mean, we've got just about two months before that happens, but um, we'll have another edition of this definitely before then. I, mean, I think we've really covered everything that's happened. Uh, the only little side thing I, I, I mentioned before we recorded was that the show of Rapongi 3K is going to be involved in a, a show in Japan at the Tokyo Dome Hall. It's not the actual Tokyo Dome itself. It's like a, a little venue just beside it um, for a company called Glee, and he's going to be fighting in a UWF rules match which is a kind of hybrid MMA wrestling style um, if I can find a way to watch that I'm interested mm-hmm. uh, it's very interesting that like, he's getting to, to do that I think um, it's looking at the smaller things there's only one or two things I can think of I mentioned uh, about the Forbidden Door and Impact uh, Josh Alexander recently wrestled you know, went over Alex Coughlin on, uh, on New Japan Strong like He's somebody I want to see mix up with New Japan a lot more. Him v Tom Waller would just be money, I think, for the strong title. <laughs> that would just that's a main event literally anywhere in the world. 
And I was going to ask you something uh, that I brought up on Central, like you talk about Wrestle Grand Slam. They're also taught that they've also built uh, Wrestle Grand Slam shows, two of them, in fact, in the MetLife Dome in September, uh, on the 4th and 5th of September. And I suggested on Strong, and I suggested on Central that maybe this will either be the two last, the last two big shows before the G1 kicks off, or maybe those will be the first two nights. Of dealing like September for being able B block being on the fifth. What do you think of that as a possibility? I think if the rules relaxed enough to allow it without quarantines and that, I could definitely see it being a kickoff for the G one. Otherwise I think it's gonna be something massive just in general for the American brand. Mm-hmm. They've definitely got something big planned. What it'll be I do not know, but I am excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting because yeah, that was announced at the same time that they met the show on July 25th where we'll be doing the Grand Slam in the Tokyo Dome and uh, we're going to have Ibushi versus Jingle. That's the only match announced for that show, but we hopefully we'll have some big announcements for that soon. So, yeah, uh, I think for our next episode, I think we're going to probably come back sometime just after that Grand Slam show because we got to see how the Road 2 kind of plays out and then see what happens, what, what the card's going to look like at Tokyo Dome. That's, uh, I think that sounds reasonable to me, unless they surprise us middle of July. You never know what's going to happen after those first couple of summer struggle shows. <laughs> we might we might end up having a preview worthy for a, a minute a, a mini episode even as a preview for the the dome show. Yeah, cause like literally July twenty fifth. So like a time recording, it's literally just short of a month away for us. Is that two dome shows? So depending how much happens on those on Kazuna Road or on Summer Struggle. That will depend how soon how soon you hear from us again. If we can't get together to actually record a main episode, we may just have to have one of us, make sure one of us is on episode central, just to like talk about it and update people that it's happened while the rest of the panel that doesn't watch New Japan just says, ah, that sounds interesting, even though they don't understand a fucking word we're on about. <laughs> That's it. They just sit there like, what the fuck are they on about? Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Go and enjoy yourself, lads. <laughs> I know, like the last... Like the last central was like basically Ross thrown over to like the, the the Japanese correspondent and me talking about the announcement at Grand Slam and they threw it to Sarah to talk about Discovery. So basically, like, ah, uh, they're going to throw to the Japanese correspondent and our Scottish wrestling correspondent because I don't have the interest or the knowledge to talk about either. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, we've we've had a. I mean, that's it. We've been at this for almost an hour and a half. This has been a jam-packed episode. Things are opening up again. We are getting more and more shows. Normality is somewhere on the horizon, almost not quite there yet. But you know, I've I don't know about you, Scott, but I've had a really good time just getting to discuss all this. You know, it's been it feels like it's been forever since the last episode, but something tells me it's going to start speeding up again for us. Yeah, definitely. Like sometimes stuff going on, there's uh, it's hard to arrange like the episodes because these are meant to be monthly, but sometimes they require more than one a month. When things really get going, but like I said, like can you talk about this and New Japan getting rolling again? I've got I just got a letter the other day. Let me know when my, I'm going to get my first dose of the vaccine. So you know, life is starting to get good again. And then you have me who has been double jabbed already. I'm ready to rock this world. <laughs> I mean, double jab makes it sound like something like somebody like Campbell or Wilson has finally heard what you've been saying about them on the podcast. And like, what have you been saying? I reckon I could take the two of them on at the same time. <laughs> But could you get them up for Last of the Dragon if you tried? Wilson, 
Maybe. Campbell, definitely no. Sorry, Dave, you, you, need, you need to drop a few pounds before I can lift you up. I'm a junior. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have surprised me with that. <laughs> I mean, that would be like me trying to pick up your brother Ross. I mean, that would be like me trying to pick up Bad Luck Fally. <laughs> <laughs> and he won't know what I mean when I say that, which is brilliant. You'll <laughs> just smile and nod. He won't realise it's actually an insult. Uh, so like, like that episode of The Simpsons, right, something was said. Hello, you called you so. How dare you? Everybody's disappeared. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, what better time than using the word disappear? But I think it's a good time for us to, to wrap up this episode. I've absolutely loved this. It's been a pleasure again, Scott. It's always a pleasure to get to talk about the graps in Japan and a little bit in the US with you, Grant. And you'll be hearing from us all again soon. Central has had a little break this week. Uh, I don't know why. But you know, well, I'll make, I'll make up some excuse for it next time. Um, but yeah, but yeah, you know, um, Central will be back. Uh, we've got, I do believe we have a, a book it episode coming up very shortly, um, mm. which Sarah Grieve is taking part in, and that is going to be an absolute belter to watch. Um, you're going to be hosting Quiz Showdown Twelve. Mm-hmm. You have me on that. Uh-huh. I I did tempt Grant into the fact that. Uh, one of the rounds does have one or two New Japan questions on it, just to see if he'd get it up. He'd, he'd come on. So I'm, I'm worried about how he's going to find the rest of the quiz, but yeah, that's going to have, come on YouTube sometime later in July. Uh, over the next month, so some more episodes of Book It. Uh, if, you're to this, if you're listening to this on the Sunday where it usually comes out, this will be coming out early Sunday, because Sunday evening is when that first episode of Book It is coming out. And I've heard it is going to be a very interesting one from what Daniel and Sarah have been uh, teasing and uh, I believe I'm going to be back on Bickettson taking on uh, Jack Graham so you know, there's a chance that I could both be responsible for him going one less than Bucket and be the one responsible as Quizmaster for him losing his Quiz Showdown <laughs> Championship and if he hates me then well get fucking over it son <laughs> and I will also be returning to Bucket where I take on Mr Wilson in a non-title match um, to pretty much do uh, a good old Daniel Bryan uh, just to fucking annoy Ross. I'm going to try and slip myself into his title match with uh, Stevie Boy. So, you know, this could be fun. <laughs> it will be. It'll be very interesting. A lot to come with the uh, on the content on YouTube and in our back catalogue and everything. No, past episodes of this, we've got King of the Ring 96 was a recent feature show as well as that Best and Worst Finishers that Grant was on that you should definitely check out that we mentioned Listen to how he managed to convince even David Hockney that uh, a New Japan finisher is uh, one of the best finishers, the, the best finisher of the modern era. Uh, I believe a tight team Mount Rushmore show is coming soon. And also Saturday had a show that I've taken a break from, but we'll be back at some point in the near future. That's coming out on a very weekly basis as well. So as you can see, everyone, we have a complete jam-packed schedule. But for now, this is us signing out. Thank you for listening, and we hope you listen again soon. Bye-bye. Ha, <laughs>